Hello. This is Khalees. This is Khalees Exists. Series 2, Episode 7 is the 29th of the 11th, 2020. I've decided to embrace Donald Trump and I am now also living in denial. That's in Egypt. (laughs) But yeah, why not? If he could just decide what everything is, then why can't I? So from now on, I directed Citizen Kane. I know what you're thinking. You know, oh, Orson Welles did. No, it was me. It was me. I know you're thinking, but but you're not old enough. It doesn't matter. I directed Citizen Kane. And if you say otherwise, fake news, right? Stop listening to mainstream media, right? Where they have to fact check things and have whole teams fact checking and avoiding lawsuits. Uh, stop listening to that and, and listen to the some bloke in his bedroom who goes mainly by his gut. You know, that's real news. So yeah, Chris Kiriakou, director of Citizen Kane. I also, I also spit gold. I don't mean that I have some sick rap rhymes. I <laughs> literally my saliva rivers of gold when I'm dribbling, and that's a lot. You could make millions. Just uh, get a little cup, keep it by side of my mouth. I also invented the popular animal, the cat. Yeah, that's right. Didn't patent it, you know. So uh, you know, I've lost millions. It's a new world. Whatever you say, it's true. And while we're on the subject of blonde blabbering bastards, Boris Johnson has released the post-lockdown rules, which, of course, are very, very clear. In a case they're not, and I can't see a way where they wouldn't be, uh, I'll repeat them for you. If uh, will, uh, if you are in tier one, you can uh, lick as many faucets as you uh, want, but make sure you're also keeping your mouth closed. Uh, in all cases, uh uh, make sure you don't see anyone, but also sort of can, but don't. Uh, also make sure that uh, will uh, no more than uh, one person uh, is allowed in a room, unless with five people, and then they have to be uh, in separate rooms. Uh, however, you can uh, have as many haircuts and go to sport events, uh, which uh, 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 might not make sense to you, but uh, I ensure you uh, will. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I wish people would stop asking me to choose the rules. I'm only Prime Minister, and I'm very busy working on my next divorce. But yes, uh, you can go to sport events as long as it's only Scunthorpe United Reserves, and you are also uh, the poor boy. But uh, uh, I must make it very clear, uh, Will, that uh, at this uh, time, things are still very, very serious. And you must make sure you are not in a box with a fox, nor in a house with a mouse. So I hope, I hope that clears everything up for you. Now, the important thing that we're all worried about, pubs. Can we go to pubs? Well, you can, as long as they're selling substantial meals and you're having a substantial meal. But surely that depends on your definition of substantial. Substantial meal to a mouse is a lot smaller than it would be to... You know, something bigger like me. Are the government saying that restaurants for mice can't be open because that's just a disgrace? Although fans of all the high-class London restaurants know that there are plenty of rats in their kitchen already. It's London. The mice own it now. Which is why I don't mind mind seeing all these foxes. We've got a lot of urban foxes around here. Although it's mating season and it is the most distressing noise I've ever heard. I won't describe it. Because to describe it would be to disturb you all. But 
if you've heard it, you know what I mean. But apart from that, bring on the foxes. We've got to balance out all these mice. And you, you might be thinking, Khalees, you're a vegan, surely you're not encouraging foxes to eat mice. And here's the thing, I'm a vegan, but I love a good scrap. So if there's going to be a gang war between mice and foxes, animals of farthing wood meets the godfather, who wouldn't watch that? Then I'm all for it. Animal animal violence is a, is a good segue to uh, the next subject, which is Black Friday. Yes, I feel very bad for people. I do. I feel really bad for those who haven't been able to uh, tre- tread on someone's neck to get 20% off at Dixon's. You know, before getting to the Warver sale and, uh, you know, all those great stuff at BHS. Admittedly, I, I don't go much. I don't go shopping much, me. Oh, I don't. Nah. I'll just go down Blockbusters for a naughty video. Oh. Did you embrace Black Friday or are you waiting for the post-Black Friday sales where they sell all the rest of the crap they couldn't get rid of on Friday? That's all it is. It's like, here's all the stuff that you didn't want to buy, but if we put a on-sale sticker on it, despite it only going down by 47p, people are like, oh my God, I must buy this before it runs out. You put a ticking clock on anything and people will grab it because they'll feel they'll be afraid of missing out. Like, you could sell a big bag of cat feces right as long as you went to the person look i've got this deal for you it's a big bag of cat feces right but be quick because you only have 10 minutes to decide if you want it people will be like well well uh oh if i uh, uh usually i'll just say no but uh, i've got 10 minutes what if i what if i change my mind afterwards i better just buy it it's a bargain yeah here you go here's a load of money please give me a bag of cat feces bag of cat feces is one of my uh favorite second wave pump bands you been watching the new series of The Crown, or have you been enjoying your life? It's not. It's not my sort of thing. The culture secretary has uh, asked for Netflix to put a little disclaimer on it, uh, warning viewers that it is fictional. In case the fact there's actors in it didn't give it away, I actually think it's a good idea. Put a warning on there, uh, as well as putting a warning on the actual royal family. You know, something like this establishment is not necessary, and the money could be best spent elsewhere just annoys me because you get people saying oh i'm not paying i'm not my i don't want my taxes going towards tuition fees for university students to get drunk i'm not paying for people to have parties unless it's the royal family and then let's pay for all their parties surely we should at least get an invite right like jury duty like every year you know a few people in the public get get invited to the queen's garden party tell them all right queenie oh i got it pork pies Go on. Oh, oh, let's eat. Oh, let's do this one. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You like this one. You like this one. Oh, sorry. I got sick on your shoes. You like this one. There's, uh, there's, two, there's these two cannibals, right? Uh, one of them goes, goes, oh, I don't like your wife. The other one goes, well, then just eat the chips. Oh, you like that, don't you, love? <laughs> then maybe I don't mind, you know, paying for the royal family. People's excuse, they say, well, the royal family, they have no power. So it's fine. Uh, in that case, I have some used batteries to sell to you. They have no power, but they cost millions of pounds. Do you want them? Gillian Anderson plays uh, Margaret Thatcher, which is a bit confusing for me because, uh, you know, I've always a little bit crushed on Gillian Anderson. Now, now that's completely gone. Can't, oh, no. If you want me to not be attracted to you, uh, this goes out to anyone I've met on Tinder, then uh, dress up as Margaret Thatcher. Just a little tip for you. That's a clear way of giving a sign, isn't it? But people are even saying that uh, the depiction of Margaret Thatcher is inaccurate uh, because she hasn't been pictured having a regular Sunday lunch with Jimmy Savile, um, inviting Pinochet round to her house, or uh, eating babies like toffee apples. The lady is not for turning. 
That's why you should never get in a car with her. And uh, she can never open doors. I refuse to turn the key, but you have to turn. No, I don't turn. A little bit of uh, post-podcast homework. If you haven't seen it, look up Margaret Thatcher at Saturday Superstore. This was uh, a kid's sort of entertainment show back in the 80s. And uh, they had a answering questions from children, basically. And then uh, reviewing pop music, uh, which, oh, it's, it's hilarious. There's, <laughs> they play uh, Heartache by Pepsi and Shirley. Uh, I, I had no idea what that song was either. And uh, she was like, no, it didn't sound like Heartache to me. No, you, could do, you couldn't dance to it. You could do a movement. Uh, bowel movement? I, <laughs> I would listen to it when I was on the toilet. <laughs> there was a poor band called the Thrashing Doves who were doing well. And uh, actually, a mate of mine, Gareth, if you're listening to us, I think... Didn't you say you were with a composer who was in the band, The Thrashing Doves? She did the worst thing that you could ever do to a band, an indie band, and it is she said how much she liked the band. <laughs> and then they just plummeted. And they just uh, fucking killed them off. You just can't be cool when you're endorsed by the leader of a country. That's why every time Trump or any presidential candidate plays a bit of music at their campaign, the band's always like, please, please don't play this. Please, I do not give you permission to play this. Not because of my politics, but because of my album sales, you bastards. They're low enough as it is with Spotify. Trump has basically had any band he's ever tried to use. <laughs> Protest and ask them to not use their music. They used Nickelback in a Donald Trump video. And uh, the record label was like, look, we've already got a big enough image problem with Nickelback. We don't need them being associated with Donald Trump as well. Also, you'd think he'd just play the music of his supporters, like Kid Rock, but not even he wants to listen to Kid Rock. He'd rather play Purple Rain by Prince, because that's a better song. He did actually play they did actually play Purple Rain at one of Trump's rallies. You think, that's just weird. What's, <laughs> why do you play that at any political rally? It's just a weird choice. Oh, God, it's probably just his campaign trying to be like, look, maybe we can entice the black population that we've demonized and attacked and fought and killed in the streets if we just play a song by prince turns out that's not enough the weirdest one is that sam moore from sam and dave uh stopped obama from playing hold on i'm coming saying that although he said you know thought it was great that it was no longer an impossibility for a man of color to be really considered as a legitimate candidate for the highest office in our land he couldn't support or didn't support Obama. And then, and then, he played at Trump's inauguration in 2016. Oh, that's not good, is it? I mean, <laughs> Obama must have been like, what? Fucking Trump got, got Sam and Dave and I didn't. What the fuck is wrong? Fire all my staff. Uh, the vaccine is uh, getting pushed very quickly, uh, which is a bit concerning, isn't it? You're a bit like... Are they just sort of going, yeah, just fucking do it. We just need we need a vaccine. I don't even care if you tried. Did, did you try it on a lemon? Yeah, that'll do. But then, you know, vaccines are quite simple, really. They're not as sort of scary and complex as people think they are. It's basically a dead cell from something. Uh, and they put it in there so you can, white blood cells can go, oh, what's this? Oh, hello. Oh, I know all about this. Well, I know all about this COVID now. Oh, I've got your number, mate. And then when you do get COVID or if you do, it'll be like, right, Fucking, oh no, I know your sort. Bam, get out. That's <laughs> my simple way of explaining how vaccines work. 
but they're worried about people not using it and a lot of people seem to be scared of it and there's a lot of disinformation the whole anti-vaxxer movement so the nhs says they're going to enlist sensible i quote sensible celebrities to persuade people to take the vaccine are there any sensible celebrities left <laughs> perhaps sooty sooty is the last <laughs> but he doesn't speak does he he'd have to just whisper in someone's ear and go they'd go what's that sooty you think people should use the vaccine it going on the music thing it's it's always awkward when any government body tries to use celebrities to give themselves some credibility also it's a sign that they don't have any like connection with the, or trust with the public anymore when they wheel out celebrity like oh you look pleb you like this person's songs listen to them when they told you to have the vaccine just to be clear you should have the vaccine um i'm, I'm not anti-vaccines uh unless it's the band they should i think they should get michael kane to do it hello my name is michael kane and i'm here to tell you to take the vaccine it may seem a bit scary, but it's not half as scary as me around your house with a baseball bat and a shotgun in case one of them doesn't work, forcing you to take the vaccine. So take it now. Otherwise, we are going to have some problems because I'm old now and you might kill me. Although if I do get COVID, I'd say you're a big man, COVID, but you're old and you're out of shape. For me, it's a full time job. Right, we're going to leave that there. Got a little little special treat for you as we go into the Halliwell's Odyssey section. I've got some new music. That's right, music especially made for the show uh, from my friend and great comedian Sam Rhodes. Check out his special on Next Up Comedy. Uh, check out his albums as well. He does many things, musical comedy, comedy, music, all those things. <laughs> Welcome to the Halliwell's Odyssey part of the show. As I go through a complete copy of Halliwell's Film Guide from the early 90s in tribute to my late brother, Nikos, who was uh, the man who got me into movies. So today's entry is Abandoned, a US film from 1949. It's a short entry from Halliwell's and it says, Reporter breaks baby farming racket. That's it, that's the plot. Which when I read it at first I was like, wait, Baby farming? Are they growing baby like cod? Like a little cord of a cob and they pick it up and there's babies in it. Or are they getting the babies to run a farm? Is it a baby, you know, picking apples? Which w just wouldn't be useful. I know they'll be cheap, but, you know, they just they can't even keep the whole own heads up. How are they going to hold a basket? Uh, then goes on to say, competent action thriller for double billing. So it's a B-movie, basically. And yeah, I would sort of describe it as that. It... It's competent. It, what's great about it is it's really short, 79 minutes, and it's fast as anything. Like, it starts to plot really quickly. And, uh, you know, it starts with a woman going to a police station and she meets a reporter, like, within a couple of minutes. 
of it starting and then the reporters instantly like looking into this case of her missing sister for her um and the way they write it like because you go why would he just why would he just instantly go oh yeah i'll help you is because he uh you know fancies her and he's a pervert and you're like ah oh, that's so good because that is why men mo- do most things anyway even if they pretend to be more noble although i'm not condoning his uh his methods or his manner I don't want controversy, uh, you know, I don't want the newspapers to say unknown comedian Kalis Kiriakou supports 1949 <laughs> film noir B-movies treatment of women. Now, this film has a popular style from the day, which is to make it seem a bit like a newsreel. So it has this introduction of, you may, this is based on a true story, you know? And it's like, this may be happening in a city near you, so that kind of Twilight Zone sort of um, scare the shit out of you before we go into the fiction. And it's meant to sort of be a kind of a documentary, but it's nowhere near. It's, it's a bloody mystery thriller. That's it. But it's based on the idea that there's these places where they invite women who are having babies and they sort of look after them, but then they sell their babies to, you know, couples who can't have them. So it's based on real news stories, I think, from that point and then just you know it's all about car chases and uh, people in people in hats and trench coaches looking around corners although it was directed by joseph m newman who did direct a lot of um twilight zone and alfred hitchcock presents so it kind of makes sense the film stars dennis o'keefe who was a regular contract player back in the day uh was signed with mgm and did some movies with them and then did a lot of low budgets and, you know, had deals with sort of low-budget producers. The most interesting stuff he did, from my point of view, is uh, he did some of the great Anthony Mann film noirs. And if, you don't, if you're into film noir and don't know Anthony Mann, I recommend him. He, he made these B-movies, but he made them so well, and he made them with a cinematographer called John Alton. Beautiful use of lighting. Like, his sort of... His imagery is film noir imagery. Like, a lot of our impression of it comes from John Alton's lighting so yeah i'd look at other dennis o'keefe movies rather than this one uh the t-men and raw deal from Anthony man alongside him is gail storm who was a singer of the day uh, also big tv star went on to be in tv shows that were very popular that i've never heard of that's the weird thing because there's you know some shows from back in the day maybe like dragnet or i love lucy that have stayed in people's memories and then there's like stuff that really popular time that no one remembers um so yeah she was in something called my little margie which i think was sort of like a poor man's i love lucy in it as a sort of a shady private detective is raymond burr who's probably best known now to people as uh perry mason the original perry mason and ironside uh where he's a, a lawyer in a wheelchair and the reason he was in a wheelchair was because Raymond Burr couldn't be asked to walk about. And he, he was like, look, I'll do another pair of Mason, but put me in a wheelchair because I'm too lazy to do anything. But before that, uh, and in this film, we played sort of heavies and, you know, kind of dodgy guys. He's also the villain in Rear Window. And I don't know if you've seen, like, uh, like you see on, like, Amazon or, like, DVDs, and, like, these films, like, or have, like, Mel Gibson in it, and you're like, how have I never heard of this film? And it's like some film he made right when he was 12 or whatever. And he's in it for like five minutes. But they've put him on the front cover uh, and try to make some money of it. That happened with an actor in it called Jeff Chandler, who's got this great look. He's got this sort of 
kind of silver hair, um, chiseled jaw. And I think he was one of those actors. He was Jewish American, but they would go, oh, you sort of look, in, you look interesting. So you're going to play, you know, a foreign person. You're our equivalent of a foreign person because, of, of course, we can't hire actual people from the country because that would be authentic and interesting. Can't be that. So he went on to be in a James Stewart Western that was big at the time, got Oscar nominated um, to playing a Native American character called Cochise in, um, in this Western. And because he got nominated in that, he then ended up getting like top billing in this film, even though he plays sort of the cop who helps uh, Dennis O'Keefe's journalist. Um, he's not in it that much. But yeah, he ended up getting top billing, which must have pissed off the other actors. And that's really annoying, right? When you've like you think you're a star or something, and then someone who you know plays janitor in it in the background ends up becoming a movie star, and so they're like, "Oh, it's his film now." The best thing I can say about this film is it's got some really great like witty lines in it. And I looked up Erwin Gilgood, the writer, and he hadn't really he died quite young, and um, did bits of TV and a couple of B movies, but didn't seem to get to do much. But yeah, the dialogue's really strong. Like there's a scene where uh, Dennis O'Keefe, the journalist, who's trying to help uh, Gail Storm look for her sister, that they're like, "Oh, we're being followed," and they they hide around a corner and they catch Raymond Burr stalking them, and uh, Ray, they're like, "What are you doing here?" And Raymond Burr's like, "I couldn't, I couldn't sleep, so I decided to take my gun out for a walk." And it's full of like, other great lines like that, like, um, "You going legitimate?" It's like a vulture turning vegetarian. I only know where babies come from. I don't know where they go. Here's a like this is trope in movies where if uh, people are like staking somewhere out and they try and it's a man or woman and they try and seem like inconspicuous, right? They start making out when people are going by. And you know, it's meant to be like, ah, oh, no one notices them because they're making out. Or people go, ah, it's fine. They're just, you know, just having sex in the car. You know, in real life, it's never like that. Like, what should be happening? They'll be like, quick, let's kiss so they don't notice us. And a person goes past and goes, Oi, oi! Hey, get some! So yeah, uh, they gave the film no star. I'd probably give it one star, maybe two. It's one of those films, I'm not going to say go watch it, but if you end up watching it, you're like, ah, that was all right. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't ask too much from you. It doesn't stay too long. And, you know, for a guy going back through this book, uh, going through old movies people have forgotten about, um, they've... You know, they looked after me. You know what I mean? They got, look, 70 minutes, nine minutes, close. So it's, you know, entertaining enough. There's some car chases in it. It will keep you going. So that's what I'll say about that. Thanks again for listening. And uh, look after yourselves. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Let's do this again sometime.